Hello, I'm Eagle. Eagle Gardens. Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle episode 574. Hopefully you guys have had a great weekend. I sure have. In fact, I've got a great guest for you tonight. Someone who we all respect in the cannabis world. Mr. Hota Herb. How you doing, my friend? You want to tell us how you're doing? Well, they should be able to find you. But if they don't... Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am Hota Herb at Hota Herb, J-O-T-A-H-E-R-B on Instagram. Uh, You can also catch me on Clubhouse and YouTube. Uh, I am constantly on uh, Clubhouse, the app, for those that are familiar with it. It's a great audio app. Uh, We have fantastic conversations all the time, and I'm hosting a weekly room in there, um, which is simulcast on youtube on the future cannabis project so uh, if you're not on the clubhouse app you can catch me on uh, youtube so yeah i i like the uh, the clubhouse app myself especially now that they've opened it up for android users uh definitely made it a little more appealing (laughs) for me yeah yeah (laughs) Absolutely. For a while, it was definitely just um, Apple users. And then uh, for a while, and then they opened up to Android finally. And it used to be invite only. So the only way you could get into Clubhouse was you had to get an invite from somebody else. Um, I actually got my invite from uh, Aaron, ATG Acres, uh, who's a just fantastic, fantastic cat and uh, really tremendous grower and, and amazing soil guy actually. Uh, so if you're not familiar with him, you should check him out. He also makes these really cool uh, clone shippers called plant packers that are really cool, um, really good for shipping clones around. So uh, yeah, check out HTG Acres, uh, my buddy Aaron. So he he uh, he nominated me for Clubhouse and uh, it's been actually almost a year. I think next week or the week after, it's going to be be a year that I've been on Clubhouse now, and uh, I really enjoy it. It's 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 like uh, talk radio that you can join in the conversation. <laughs> you know, the uh, one thing that I always I enjoyed instantly about the Clubhouse app was uh, the people that it kind of lent you access to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in bigger places, being able to listen to them speak and even uh, be able to ask questions, you know, to them directly on that platform is one of the things I thought was just super cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I got the opportunity to talk with Eddie left before he passed. I mean, like, you're not going to get that (laughs) in most places. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really a lot of fun. I was, uh, and there's lots of different interesting stuff on there. I mean, we do spend a lot of time talking about cannabis and cultivation and growing stuff all the time. And, uh, there's some fantastic shows about the medicinal aspects of cannabis. Uh, but you know, there's all sorts of different things on there. I was listening to a clubhouse room one night that was on the movie Dune and it had this guy from NASA on the show with uh, talking about the movie and some of the things that are going on. And, you know, for those that have seen the movie, there's this really cool, like dragonfly shaped helicopter. It's, it's got like these by wings on the side and they like flap and the thing takes off. It's really, really cool looking flies like a dragonfly. 
there's actually people working on building a helicopter that flies like that. Uh, he was talking about uh, the still suits. So everybody in, in Dune, they live on a desert planet. So they wear these crazy suits that help keep moisture in and uh, help, you know, uh, allow you to drink. And, and so you won't just die in the desert. Um, but that's one of the big challenges that they're going to have to face when they try to colonize Mars is how do you keep people hydrated? How do you protect them? Uh, the NASA spacesuits today actually have water piping through them uh, that's used to help with temperature uh, maintenance. So just like, <laughs> like how, do you, how, how does that happen, right? You get into a room with this uh, NASA guy talking about the Dune movie. So yeah, no, it was really, <laughs> really, really cool stuff. So I've been enjoying it. And uh, the Grow and Tell that I used to host in Worcester. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, I had this amazing cannabis cultivation club uh, that I used to host on a monthly basis in Worcester, Massachusetts at a place called the Summit Lounge which is a uh, consumption lounge. So we could go in there and we could, you know, we could go in there and we could sniff each other's jars, and smoke each other's weeds and talk about how we grew it and what were the breeders we were growing and, and what were some different things we'd heard and we're learning and trying and all of this stuff. And it was really fantastic. And there was about 35 or 40 of us every month that would get together and just share right? And share an experience uh, and, and be able to talk about growing the plant, which is just truly amazing. And, uh, you know, when COVID hit, that kind of killed the grow and tells. And uh, I was kind of just stuck out in the stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so um, a couple months back, Peter from the Future Cannabis Project approached me about starting up doing a show on a weekly project on a weekly basis. So I brought the grow and tell back and now we're doing uh, weekly grow and tells. Uh, I've got this amazing guy, Nick, uh, the root from the root, a company called the rooted leaf. They make some um, unbelievable nutrients. Um, he's been uh, joining me every week and just dropping mad chemistry and biochem and just awesome science, really, really di diving deep into how a lot of these plant mechanics work. Um, and, and I'm just going to run down a list of the different topics we've covered because we've done 21 episodes now. And the 22nd episode's coming this week and I've got Science LEDs going to be joining me. So the head of cultivation's coming on and we're going to talk about spectrum. But so far we've done carbon, flavonoids, enzymes, KNF preparations, Silicon, CalMag, my personal tale, the tale of Hota Herb, uh, foliar, communication networks, water, fermentation, kelp, cleaning. Uh, we did a breeder spotlight on my buddy Kyle from Pure Breeding. That uh, I grew that amazing New England rock candy, um, and I actually have a. Um, I'm growing his uh, Hindu root beer right now, which is a GMO root beer crossed with the uh, with a hazy Kush. Uh, so it's it's should be crazy crazy plant. Waiting for that. Um, and then I had uh, we did a 2021 wrap up, and then I had the unbelievable Jendo uh, join us. So Jendo did a, an episode on hash making, uh, and then we got back into the science and we did amino acids. 
Uh, I had the folks from the Organic Cultivators, the Supernatural Conference, which is actually going on this weekend in Sturbridge, Mass. So I had Ben and Mike Buer uh, on the show uh, for talking about the Organic Cultivator Cultivators Conference and growing with intent. Um, and then we did uh, sulfur and glutathione. Uh, and then we did sugar. And then last week we did an episode on the hop latent viroid. Uh, so just really, really every week, uh, much deeper conversations on, you know, plant biology, uh, just amazing and, and getting into, you know, things that people don't talk about. Everybody talks about NPK. Everybody talks about CalMag, but nobody talks about carbon. Nobody talks about enzymes. Nobody talks about flavonoids, right? Flavonoids are a big part of what comes in the cannabis plant. We don't ever talk about flavonoids. We talk about cannabinoids. We talk about terpenes, but nobody talks about flavonoids. It's the taste, it's the flavor, right? That thing that sticks in your mouth. <laughs> they're, volatile, they're volatile compounds uh, that are not easily detected in current testing methods actually, um, but they're part of what make up the plant. They're part of what gives it uh, some of the effect and part of what gives it the some of the flavor. It's not just terpenes, there's flavonoids in there too. So lots of really cool stuff we've been talking out about. And as I mentioned, we've got uh, Science LED coming up this Thursday night. So every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Clubhouse. And then, as I said, simulcast on YouTube on the Future Cannabis Project. Uh, we're going to do Spectrum. We're going to talk about Spectrum next week with Science LED. And then I got Jinx Proof joining me uh, the week after. So we're going to do another breeder spotlight. Jinx Proof is going to come on. We'll talk to Jinx Proof. And then the following week, we're actually going to do a deep dive on the root of the leaf and, and talk more about uh, some of the inputs that Nick creates. Uh, he's using all sorts of amazing stuff, kelp and hibiscus and artichoke and just making these amazing ferments and products and natural extracts, uh, compounds uh, to produce the, the ingredients and inputs for his uh, nutrient line. So really cool stuff. Man, it sounds like you've been super busy and I'm sure the community is very grateful for all that time and knowledge being passed, that's for sure. Uh, I've had been blessed to have uh, Nick on the show. He is a very intelligent dude, man amazing uh, a good co-host i would say uh, for sure absolutely uh, yeah yeah well it's great too because i can just like uh, and nick what do you think about that and he'll just uh, 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 like that you know go on for for a few minutes and i can sit back and smoke and enjoy myself and then you know i jump back in and take control um and and bring the show on but yeah no he's he's truly really uh really brilliant guy and uh, a lot of fun to have on the show and, and just brings incredible knowledge every week with him. Yeah, that's a quite the, the swath of knowledge there. Uh, you guys have already covered too. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And um, you know, we want to just interesting stuff every week too. Uh, like we were talking about kelp. Um, kelp is one of the reasons why the Roman Empire was so successful. They actually used to harvest kelp and 
bring it with them uh, for their fields and for growing. So they spread kelp all over the Roman Empire. Um, just like <laughs> really cool stuff. Uh, getting into some of those details and some of those backgrounds. Um, not just talking about the normal stuff, you know, not just talking about, oh, HPS versus LED or, you know, plastic pots versus fabric pots, uh, cocoa versus soil, uh, just getting into some different topics and, and really drilling down into them has been really, really interesting. And I'm, I'm learning a ton every week too. So that's awesome as well. Um, it, it's great, uh, to, to be able to have these podcasts and then also learn while you're, while you're doing them. I'm sure that's why you do it as well, right? You learn something all the time. I learn or take something from each one of you guys every day. That's for sure. And actually, uh, I was speaking with, uh, Doc Calix last night and he was uh, giving you, uh, props, some big props <laughs> and, uh, I was speaking I of a Doc few moments ages. I had taken from you from the last couple episodes. <laughs> oh, man. He, he definitely gave Doc. me some good ups, man. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in ages. I need to get back with Doc and see how he's doing and, and, and chat with him. And actually, I, it's, it's sad. I missed him. He was out here uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was for a Nikan or a Canacon or something. He came out and unfortunately I didn't attend and I missed him. So, uh, one of these days I'll catch up with him or I'll have to head out to the West coast and, uh, visit the wonderful Pacific Northwest and go visit, uh, actually go visit Nick in person and go visit Doc Alec and go visit Jinx, uh, and go see them in their, in their, uh, natural habitats, so to speak. <laughs> it's good i uh i do miss getting out and seeing the community it's it's definitely been a long two years have you been into any events in the last two years anything at all? uh i went to the harvest cup that was pretty much it um i went to the harvest cup last november and i will be uh going to the regenerative conference up in maine i still plan on going I believe uh, right now. And um, I probably will make an appearance at the Boston Neat Can on Saturday, possibly uh, if I'm in town. Uh, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, this, the, the, the top of it. Plus I moved. So um, I used to be in Worcester in the Worcester area, which is right in the center of Massachusetts. It's also where the summit lounge was is and where, uh, most of the cannabis licensing and cannabis events are, are usually based out of the center of Mass or the west of Mass, not so much in the Boston area. And I moved to Cape Cod, uh, so I'm way out of the mix with everybody. Um, so I'm just trying to, uh, you know, adapt to my new environment, uh, you know, moving, you know, the, every tent is different. And every environment you sent those tents up in is different. And so it's taken me a couple of months to get my tents dialed in in this new environment. Uh, I've been in this house about six months now. So just trying to learn the environments, the ups and downs of this, in, you know, these, this basement, uh, the temperatures in this room, trying to make sure that the tents themselves are uh, doing what they should be doing to the best of my ability in my environment and um, just adapting, you know, and then I'm looking forward to building out all of my outdoor stuff this year too, because I, um, 
you know, I, I need to start a new compost pile. I need to start uh, a bunch of different new areas because I, I moved and now all that stuff I had is gone. <laughs> so re restarting from scratch, but it's good. I get, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, building uh, some really nice big raised beds outside for growing vegetables and uh, doing some other stuff that I didn't really do uh, as much at the other house. So good stuff. Uh, was it a temptation to uh, step out of the tent? Um, nah, yeah, everybody, you know, I have my pros and cons with the tent, and I, I'm sure I'm still not sure as I'm maybe going through the same thing myself here, stepping into a new environment here in the next month or two. Uh, I've been debating on whether or not if I'm going to shake the tents in the next place or if I'm going to try to set up a little room. Did you kick the idea around at all or was it? I, I, uh, no I did. Um, I, I did, but I, I do like the flexibility of the tents and uh, especially because I don't have a tent quite as large as yours are. Um, I've only got the, uh, you know, the two five by five. So they're pretty easy to move around and um, it, it's a lot more, it's a, it's a flexible solution once you start putting up walls. <laughs> you, you've lost your flexibility um so yeah i, I do like um i do i did think about it i, I and i still am thinking about it <laughs> like around down here like well you know i could put a wall across this area and close this off but you know <coughs> i think with basements uh, especially in your home it's difficult because of access you know, like getting access to the waistline and where your windows are and where your lollipops are. And it's just some of the logistics are not always great. Um, you can build a room, obviously, in any space. I started growing in closets. So for me, um, you know, having having four walls is not that big of a deal. Um, but I do like I do like my tents. I'm not going to get away from the tents anytime soon. I don't think I, I did uh, set up a small uh, bench, um, hang a light over. I have a workbench in the, in the basement. So I did hang a light over that one <laughs> and start some, uh, some veggies on that and some microgreens. That's the other thing I'm starting to get into is microgreens. So I've set up a, a separate microgreen area and I'm still playing around with the idea of mushrooms as well. Growing some mushrooms, uh, primarily edible mushrooms. I'm not really looking to uh, do any of the psychedelics, but I do love to cook. And so I, you know, that's why I grow herbs. I grow fresh herbs all the time because I like to cook. I grow veggies because I like to eat. Um, and <laughs> so I, you know, that's why I'm growing microgreens. Uh, they're fun. They're really interesting, but I really want to do it because I like eating microgreens. Um, and they're really, really super good for you. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, hopefully uh, those will do well over there and, and trying to expand to that. And then having some edible mushrooms as well would be nice, uh, you know, trying to rely less on others and, and trying to be more uh, self-sustaining and more capable myself. But, you know, there's something to be said about putting some plants outside under full spectrum sun and um, not running the power to do that. So. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm in Massachusetts. I've got a very short growing season. I can do plants outside, especially in a greenhouse, but I can't do them year round. Like I can do them in my basement. 
and um, I'd miss it, you know, if I didn't have the if I didn't have the lights and the plants going all the time. So I think I'll probably get a couple plants outside this year. I always sneak a couple plants outside anyway. Uh, usually, if there's something that's not doing too well in my indoor, um, I'll just throw them outside and see how they do. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I had a male. I had a male plant last year. I just didn't feel like killing it. So I just threw it outside and let it flower. Um, and it was beautiful. And the bees loved it. The pollinators loved it. Um, and I, I did, uh, you know, I didn't get it out of my, my house fast enough. So I do have some seeds that were accidentally made. But uh, it's Dr. Lime F2. And the Dr. Lime that I grew is just amazing. Um, and then this is crossed with a grapefruit web from Dynasty. Uh, so it's a it's a two to one, it's a one to one CBD to THC, the grapefruit web, because it comes off the Charlotte's web cross. And um, so I, I may just pop some of these and see how they do. I think I've got about uh, 40 or 50 seeds uh, from that little uh, little happy accident. <laughs> You were lightly dusted. You were lightly dusted. I'd be grateful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it and it, they're all like at the nodes, the branch nodes. So they're not even in the buds themselves for the most part, because I got because they got in pollinated very early, right? So I had it in my tent. I thought it was a female. I looked at him like, no, that's a male. You need to get that out of the flowering tent. And it was already too late, but um, because the other plants hadn't really developed yet, there wasn't too many calyx to pollinate. So I got very lucky and um, I've got some interesting seeds that I'll probably pop and see how they do. You know, I don't normally pop the seeds that I accidentally make because it's usually caused by a light leak or something uh, a plant that accidentally herms this one was a true male um and so I'm, I'm 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 curious to see what comes out of it we've just kind of touched on that uh subject before a lot lately uh about when to the proper time to introduce a male sounds like he uh slid in just under the mark i guess uh to produce just a little bit of seeds, man. I got, I've been having a male floating around here for the last few months, and I've learned some lessons about keeping a male and all that. And uh, I had one, I had three hanging around, and uh, one of them got triggered early. Uh, I was talking to, let's say it was Mr. Toad, but I could be wrong on that uh about keeping a male and he said that uh keeping them in 24 hour uh light which i thought i'd be better off trying to keep them in a constant state of veg but he said right. they're uh, more sensitive <laughs> like that in a, a longer cycle more prone to the quick change like that and so mm -hmm. there was a, a fluctuation in time there where they were they were getting under 24 hours but not under uh 18 and that that change was just was enough. enough to trigger him along 
and he sat right here and he kind of hit the, that tent behind me. And I thought, oh, no, I didn't even see it. I, you know, I thought I right. caught him prior. <laughs> oh, no, that whole tent, I had I'm seeds in that tent. And I thought, I, you know, those two areas, because as it went, you know, further that way, it was less and less seeds. And then I got into that tent over there and uh, seeds over there still. Just from this, this little guy couldn't have been, 12 14 inches in a one gallon pot when he flipped yep. and he didn't you know and it doesn't take oh. much they carry on the wind they go everywhere they get on your clothes they get on you it's everywhere you can't stop it once it goes off and uh yeah yeah i uh i've had a few seeded harvests before uh it's never fun uh, but it does happen it does happen these happy mistakes Happy accidents. <laughs> oh, I, I'll keep telling myself as I pick through them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I know. I, jokingly I, I, saying the other night, man, I, I'm about done trying to separate them. I'm, I'm about ready to start throwing in them in a dish and actually start eating them or something. <laughs> because I don't really have a whole lot of intentions on growing them, so I hate right. to see them go right. to waste. Well, it's either that, it's either that, or you just throw them from your car as you drive down the road. You know, sow a field as you drive. Overgrow the planet. Overgrow the planet. You know, just spread them, spread them everywhere. <laughs> do, I do live in a forest. I do live in a forest with lots and lots of dirt back roads. So it's a good possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, reintroduce it back to nature. Let I'd like to wild. give away cannabis anyway, but to every one of those seeds thrown wouldn't be something that would probably go back and harvest. So those would just be gifts for people later on. <laughs> Come stumbling across them. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Animals, wildlife, they love it too. The seeds are great for them. Hemp seed is fantastic for animals. So I also appreciate uh, that uh, the fact that you're growing in the five by fives. Uh, mine are the four by eights there behind me. And for yep. the most part, uh, I think that the lights are more capable these days. Even what's behind me now is more suited for a five by whatever space, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus, so I think you get more use out of your light actually with the five by five fixture or five by fives with these fixtures right. these days. Yeah, because most of the most of the lighting companies they put out footprints for four by four and, and five by five, and, and usually it's the same light for a four by four space or a five by five space. Um, you know, you do start to lose some of your par, some of your intensity is the further you go out, depending on the lights, you know, um, the lights that I use from science LED, the shape of the, you know, most LEDs, they have a, like a rounded type of a bulb on them or a node, uh, with science LED, it actually has like a little bit of a nipple in the middle. So it's like a little bit of an indentation. And what that does is it forces the light out to the sides as opposed to straight down like most LED. 
And so uh, you do get great coverage at a five by five space. It, you don't, you know, you probably could even go with a six by six almost because it gives such great side light. In fact, it gives better side light than like directly underneath it in some cases. So um, you don't need to uh, have as much as many lights even. Uh, when you're when you're using some of the newer stuff and uh, you're spreading out the light so much as well. I think that's the other part of it is uh, getting away from an HPS where you have a single bulb in the middle of your tent, you know, and, and half of your plant is shadowed. You, you're spreading these lights out across these bars or, you know, and, and all those different points of light are crossing and, and you're getting all these different angles. And, and so you get much better penetration today. Uh, but yeah, I agree. The five by five, you're probably getting a little bit more use to the space, but the four by four, you're getting a lot of bounce off the wall. Uh, so are you running the raging Kush in the five yeah. by five? I think that's yep. your bigger light there. Yeah. What I, uh, raging I appreciate about those is uh, they're constantly working or you can work on the spectrum of the light. So they're basically, you know, people, other growers working on spectrum. So if yep. they come up with a light recipe that works well, say for, you know, uh, a more desert like strain or Southern uh, latitude location, we can try to mimic that a little yep. bit better with the light. Yep. That's what sunrise, I sunset, you can have a sunrise, a sunset. So your lights don't just turn on. They just slowly ramp up to the right light over five minutes 15 minutes however long you want that sunrise to last sunset uh you can do an all red uh so you can get you know you can go with uh, trying to get them to go to sleep earlier and try to get some of the benefits of that um it, it's lots of different things you can do uh using red light during vegetation actually to help with keeping the plant from stretching too much so if you uh, use using more blue light, and less red light will make them stretch more. Uh, you can also use blue light during the flowering cycle. They're uh, they've been doing some really cool testing, and I'm really I'm really looking forward to talking to them about this next Thursday night. Is uh, they've been doing some testing with using just blue light for the last two weeks of flower, as opposed to red light uh, to pack on some extra weight. Uh, so just really, really interesting stuff uh, that you can do with uh, once you have the ability to tune the lights, uh, change the spectrum. It's not just, uh, you know, turning a knob for the intensity. You can change your intensity. You can change the type of colors, the spectrum, uh, how, you know, have it, like I said, ramp up, ramp down, all sorts of cool stuff. <clears throat> uh, they have, uh, they have a, an effect where you can, um, if you have like a room of them, you can connect them and you can kind of have it so that it's almost like the sun moving across the sky. <laughs> you know, with That's the most intensity neat. kind of moving through the room across different sets of lights. Um, just, yeah, there's lots of really cool things you could do. And, and, you know, they're doing a lot of testing and getting good data, which is what I appreciate, right? It's not just about 
dude, those, those plants were massive. You know, it, they're actually doing side-by-side -side comparisons. They're having grower, the growers who are doing the testing, do these comparisons, getting, you know, so that you get really, really good, true science and information out of it, which is, which is important. I love that they work with growers like myself uh, all the time. They're constantly chatting with us, sharing the science they're learning, asking us about what we're doing. Um, you know, they made Ed's, they made Ed Rosenthal's book this uh, round. Uh, Dr. Bruce Bugby's doing some testing with a whole room of their lights right now to, to really play with the lights and the spectrum and do some really cool stuff there. So yeah. Uh, they're they're a really fun company. I do I do enjoy using their lights and talking with them and working with them. And I've known them for a few years now. They're out of Colorado. Really, really great. They're not some, you know, ridiculous company out of China that's selling lights for super cheap, um, and they just push them relentlessly uh, everywhere, and they don't care about the growers. You know, uh, you can talk to. Uh, anybody at Mars Hydro, and I guarantee you, you'll never find anybody who's actually used the light and has ever grown a plant with one. Um, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Talk to Spider Farmer, same thing. Every one of those people who talk to you, try to sell you a light, ask them if they've ever grown a plant with them. Not what they've heard or what they've seen. Ask them well, if they've ever grown a plant. Is. It's highly <laughs> illegal over there, isn't it? I mean, I don't care. I don't even care about things. cannabis. <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> cannabis. I'm talking about any plant. I don't care if they grew lettuce. Any plant. They have it. I've never come across any one of those reps who've ever said they grew a plant with the light. None of them. Um, and so that's something that bothers me. You're in, you are selling an, a product that you have no experience or knowledge of. Why? Why? So, um, yeah, that's again something else I appreciate about science. Like they grow plants. They came from the um, vehicle industry, actually, the automotive industry. They create lights for Jeeps and trucks and, and things like that. That's where they started. Uh, so they had a background in lighting way before they decided to put them over plants. And um, so there's, there's some deep history in engineering in that company that uh, is, is really cool. I, you know, I, I, you've seen some of the videos with them, like completely submerging one of the lights, right? Like, <laughs> forget about a little bit of spray. You know, people are worried that their lights are going to pop because they, they spray in their tent. These, one of the, the, I've seen the Raging Kush too, I think, is actually completely waterproof. And I've seen them submerged underwater and be like fully lit. It's so cool. Oh, they're definitely an amazing light there for sure, man. They, they caught my eye a long time ago. Uh, we had Greg on the show, Greg Shelby, I believe it's how you pronounce his last name. Yep on the show and uh, talking about the lights and they're amazing they are man and, uh i like i honestly like the way you can just play with the light tune it in for whatever you're growing and whatnot and like you said yep. I, the way they work with you and you can work with other growers to find out you know what it is work with them if they've had a light recipe themselves it's that's genius yep. it really you is. can share the recipes 
if you have the light, you can share the recipes. You can email them to each other. Uh, they, they have a whole bunch of the recipes stored on their website now, too. Um, I gave them a bunch of my recipes for them to post out there as well. Uh, it's a great community. So uh, what what's a, what do you have growing under that uh, kick-ass? What don't there? I have growing right now? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've got, let me, let me, I got to pull up my list because I have so many different things growing right now. I hate to miss um, anything. Let me see if I can find my, uh, my list here. Uh, it's my cultivation. All right, so. In flower right now, I have grape popsicle from Terp Fiend, and that's the one that's almost done. Uh, it's in, I think, week six. Um, and then I have Orange Hulk from Dark Horse. Um, and then I have that Hindu root beer, which I mentioned, which is a GMO root beer cross with the Hazy Kush. Um, and that was a uh, that's pure breeding and green Bodhi. Uh, collaboration and then in veg i have a new england hazy kush which is the new england rock candy cross with the hazy kush i have a pilgrim's punch which is just about ready to go in the flower and it'll go into flower in about a week or so uh, that's from plymouth county growers i've got uh trips t-r-i-p-z uh, which is a papaya crossed with gamma berry uh, by my buddy Boston Biotics. Uh, fantastic uh, organic natural grower. Um, the, I've got a reveg of the New England rock candy that I grew. Um, I revegged. I took a clone off of the plant 30 days into flower. That clone, uh, I got it to root and reverse, and now it this beautiful little bush of like a clone and so i'm going to take some clones off that reveg and, and um, i'm actually going to pass some back to kyle uh pure breeding because he actually had some trouble and lost some of his original stock so i'm going to pass him back a cut of this plant that was a really it was an amazing uh it was an amazing plant I, this thing has a serious wallop to it too i mean you smoke it you know it and uh, but the plant itself was it, it prayed almost the entire grow. It was it was truly amazing. This plant and I, and I moved. I told you I moved. Right. The the plant had my leaf blower fell in the trunk and like fell on the plant. I thought it was like broken. It was like in the in the back of the truck. It was like all partially crushed over. And I pulled it out. I stuck a, a stock, a, you know, a nice stake in there and, and stuck it up and it did great. And it came back and it just kept praying. It's like, I don't care. You drop a rock on me. I don't care. I'm going to pray. I love it. Let's go more, more, more. Um, so that was a great cultivar. And I'm, I'm definitely holding on to that one. I've got stash plant uh, growing for, uh, for Duke. Uh, so Duke diamond, you know, the day he got, uh, the day he got released, I popped some stash plant to celebrate. So got the stash plant going. I've got two of those. I've got um, Problem Child F2 from Jinx Proof. Probably one of the my favorite plants I've ever grown. Uh, the Problem Child was an amazing, it was like tangerines. Uh, it's tangy cream crossed with the nine pound hammer. And, but the, the one that I found was just so orange. 
Um, and of course it's, you know, the one you didn't get a cut of, it's the one you didn't take any backups of, unfortunately. Right. So when you flower and you spoke that you go, God damn, what did I do? I need to try to save that one. But, uh, so now I've got the F2s and, uh, I'm going to grow out the F2s and see if I can find something really orangey again, but truly one of the, one of the, my favorite things I've ever grown. That plant was amazing. Like the jar smelled orangey. Even if even after it didn't have any nugs in it for like a month, it was it was really really amazing. I've got uh, Elmo's Army growing, uh, which is a tribute plant to a vet uh, from Maine who is really big in the cannabis community. He passed away a little while ago, um, so Elmo is a really well known guy in, in the New England uh, uh, mil- uh, ex military community. Uh, he was a veteran and did a whole bunch of stuff for the veterans community. And um, so uh, Professor P uh, Dynasty uh, did a, a tribute uh, to him. And so there's a bunch of Elmo's uh, cuts and uh, seeds. And uh, so I'm growing Elmo's Army. There's another one that came out as well, uh, but Elmo's Army is growing. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> quite a quite a list. Uh, Great Popsicle, Orange Hulk. Hindu root beer, uh, the Pilgrim's Punch, Trips, uh, the hazy New England Hazy Kush, Stash Plant, Problem Child, Elmo's Army. It's 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 quite a lineup. The great popsicle there. Are you expecting like a great flavor out of it, or are you actually yeah. expecting like, yeah. uh, a purple cannabis? Great. Grape, grape, grape. So that's, uh, I, I, when I talked to Turp, that was mainly what I was going after. One of my, uh, one of the plants that I grew back in the, in the early nineties was, a was a goofy grape. And, um, it was a cross between Williams wonder and Soma's lavender. And it was an amazing plant. Um, and it was, it, it went around uh, West coast of Florida for a couple of years. It was, uh, it was amazing, amazing plant. And, and that was also, it was one of those ones that just tasted grape, smelt grape, like you tasted grape in your mouth afterwards. Um, really, really amazing. And um, so I, I'm still looking for a really great, great cultivar. Like I had, uh, you know, <laughs> 30 years ago. Um, but that's, uh, so I, I was looking specifically for something really grapey. I haven't had a good grape plant yet. And so, uh, I went to him and he, he gave me these grape popsicles and also some, uh, it was some Merlot that he did as well, uh, that he also said had a lot of really good grape, uh, terps to it. So, We'll see how the grape popsicle comes out. I still have a whole bunch more seeds too. So if uh, this one isn't that grape, I may pop a few more to see what happens. I had a uh, another one that was a grape goudini uh, by two guys in a gun. And uh, that one, unfortunately, was a male. So I had to get rid of it. So still hunting that grape. I love the turd profile there. Grape. It's definitely a tasty uh, but like I said, I was kind of hinting to, I love grape, but I don't love the perks, you know, that, that associated with a lot of the grape leaves that you get, you know, it's just something about uh, that purple cannabis that is super tasty, but I just don't necessarily find it heavy hitting. 
super flavorful, but not heavy. Hitting. It, but, uh, you know, I think it, it's interesting. Again, you know, cannabis affects everybody differently. And uh, I have a friend who, if he smokes anything purple, it it gets him like hyped up. He gets like you know almost like like shaky. He gets so. Uh, it's like super sativa for him for some reason. He gets all uh, shaky and uh, gets him all jacked up and he needs to like calm down, like smoke some CBD or something to calm down if he smokes it. anything purple. Just seems to have that reaction. He's probably allergic to uh, anthocyanin or whatever it is. And um, But yeah, no, it's, it's about the flavor. I'm all about the flavors. I don't usually... Of course, I love when I have a pretty plant, but I'm not growing things because they're. I'm looking for a certain color or a certain shape. I'm growing for flavor for something that I want to enjoy smoking and, and enjoy consuming. And so and if it looks beautiful and I don't enjoy smoking, it doesn't do me any good. So I'm, I'm always all about the flavor. And I don't really care about yield too much either. Uh, yield is not that big of a deal when you grow, you know, if you get a good rotation going and you keep growing, usually you have more wheat than you can smoke. I know I usually have more than I can smoke. So uh, yield isn't that big of a issue for me because I always have something handy. I'm not, again, I'm not like I'm going to run out um, and I keep a rotation. So I, it's never more than a month between a harvest. So all the plants in my flower tent right now are a different age. They're all different flower time. Uh, one's six weeks, one's three weeks, one's one week. Uh, so I try to get at least one plant in there every 30 days, keep their rotation going. One in, one out, one in, one out, one in, one out. And I call um, that uh, the whack-a-mole girl right Absolutely. There. <laughs> absolutely. As soon as I... If I have a space, I grab something from veg. I, you know, go look in the veg tent and say, hmm, who looks good today? You look good. You're coming with me and throw them in the, you know, throw them in the flower tent and get them going and, and just try to keep that rotation going because then you don't have too far in between. You don't get smoked out on the same strain. And um, it, it's, it works great for me, at least. Um, I like to always have something flowering, always something to, to look forward to just being ready to harvest. And I also find it's easier to harvest too, because I don't have to do multiple plants. I can do one plant. I can knock it out in a day or two trimming and I'm done for a month. Um, I know when I've brought down four or five plants, it's a hassle <laughs> to get through all those plants. Um, you get tired after a couple of days and it's also just having space to dry all that plant material uh, properly and, and so that it cures properly can be difficult. So just having one plant to harvest or two plants at most to harvest is what I like. Works for me. <clears throat> well, I definitely believe in the perpetual. It's the only way you don't overload yourself. And like you said, get a little bit of different cannabis all the time. Uh, I, that's one of the great things I appreciate about the perpetual right there. Something new is always on the horizon. Right. And back in the day, it always uh, here in Michigan, when you could uh, pretty much backpack, uh, 
to the the dispensaries and stuff that was always a downfall for most caregivers because none of us wanted the mono crop we'd all fucking right. come up with a, the mixed bag they'd be like hey you just bring me one whole one instead of right you know a few different flavors and be like we don't want to grow the same shit right <laughs> right exactly exactly uh but yeah like i said i've got you know day 43 day 29 and day eight of flower right now so uh that grape popsicle just started week seven and uh i, I don't think it's going to go too far beyond 60 65 days probably going to be pretty close to 60 days yield for me myself isn't a big factor either i'm with you right there as well for me it's more taste and trimmability yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could always tuck one or two more in there to make up sure. for some uh, bad yields. But man, if they're miserable to trim, then I just don't want them around. Yeah, absolutely. Get something that's really bushy, uh, that has a lot of larfy or, you know, little popcorn buds. It's just a hassle. Um, I like stuff that just when it comes out, it's uh, the some of the the, um, the Dr. Lime, I trimmed it with my hands. I didn't even use a trimmer. I just sat there and I picked all the, the leaves that were remaining off and I put it in the jar and I was done. Um, it, it, that's what you're, that's ideal. <laughs> so you're somewhat of a, I would think, techie type guy, like to fool around with some of the new gadgets and toys. How do you feel about some of these new herb dryers that are out? Some of them are pretty appealing. Now they can control the environment, humidity, and everything right to the end, whatever you kind of put in there. Uh, you Are you interested in something like that? Would that ever well, I have a, be in I have a curador. I do have do a curador. How you like yeah. it? I do. I love nice. my curador. It really does, uh, I feel, keep the terps a lot longer. Uh, the cannabis has better flavor. And I actually just did some curing in it uh where i just took the plant i tr i cut off a few branches of the plant and i just stuck it straight in the curador no jar no bag no nothing just left it in the curador it took like no lie three to four weeks for that plant to dry out and it was really terpy it did not lose any of the terpenes because you're curing at like 52 53 degrees uh, with, you know, perfect humidity consistently, uh, you know, consistency is also part of it. Having consistent temperature and humidity, not up and down also helps. And so it just, it was like, I kept checking it and it was still kind of spongy and, and like, wow, this is like, how is this still moist? It's in this refrigerator basically. <laughs> it's in an open air though. And uh, I was expecting it to dry much faster. It took a while to dry and it really did, I feel, maintain more of the terpenes than my traditional drying methods of the same plant. So uh, I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, but yeah, as far as some of those other things, I think the cryo cures are interesting. I know, uh, you know, my friends Tommy and Elaine, uh, Excelsior Extract, uh, you know, the original Outcast, uh, their cryo cure machine is really cool. And, and I've smoked some of the cannabis and that's 24 hours. 
you know, 24 hours, you've got smokable flour um, and it tastes, uh, it, it really does also, again, maintain a lot of that flavor. The, the bud comes out really kind of strange though. It's almost, it's like super light. Uh, it feels almost fluffy. And when you break it, it turns into like a sand almost. Um, so it's not, it's a little bit different uh, from that standpoint. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm a, I'm more of a believer in the, in the slower natural uh, process for curing. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I am a techie, but when it cut for the most part, except when it comes to my grow, some things I am a little techie about, like I have the science led lights. It's got an app. I tune it, you know, I set a recipe. It's got, you know, a certain time it comes on and I tune the schedule and the, the amount of uh, the amount of light, the type of light, and all that stuff. Sure, interesting. I have a pulse meter uh, to monitor my environment. You know, temperature, CO two, humidity, all those things. But nothing else for the most part. I work on a computer all day long. It's what I do. Um, I work in data warehousing, data architecture, and, and project management, and and so I'm on the computer all day long. The last thing I want in my tent is more computers, more technology. I'm there to try to, I, I'm, I'm trying to get back to nature, right? Like I'm trying to spend time with plants and I don't, um, I really don't want anything in between me and the plants. That's why I hand water. Um, I want to be in there with the plants. I want to get in the tent. Um, I don't want to necessarily, even the blue mats. I have a blue mat system. I don't really use it very often. Uh, because I like to hand water. I like to lift the pots. I like to see how heavy they are. Do they need water? Get in there and water them and, and you know, feel them and check them and, and all that stuff. And, and I think that to me, those, the more systems and electronics and things you put in there, the less you're in touch with the actual plant. So um, it extends to the curing process as well for me. I can appreciate that. I really can. You know, as a carpenter or whatever, if you find that <laughs> you want to fix this around the house or whatever, yeah, right. not so likely to want to come home with you. Right. Yeah, I can right. feel you there. I can definitely. Right. You, know, you drive down the street, you got the house that's only half sided. It's probably a guy who does siding for a living. <laughs> the guy whose who's yard needs mowing, he's probably a, he's probably a landscaper. <laughs> Because you don't want to do that shit after you did it all day long. <laughs> if you're a house painter, you probably don't want to paint your own house. <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate what you say in there. Appreciate. So uh, let uh, me, you know, answer I, this. I, uh, what yeah. have you? Oh, I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. To I was just going to say. You know, I, I think, I don't. I don't necessarily look down on those things. I don't have a problem with people using those things. If you're comfortable with it, uh, if you like the product that comes out and it works for you, great. Um, you know, just, I, I don't, if people want to grow in, in hydroponics, go ahead. You want to grow in rock? Well, sure. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. I, it, it's to each his own, right? There's, there's a million ways to do this. Um, I want people to be comfortable with their process. I want people to feel comfortable with what they do. I want them to develop their own style because that's really what the, 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 the longer you do this or any hobby, 
eventually you start to develop your own style. You've learned what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what you like, what you don't like. You know, you might be using a bottled nutrient line that somebody else really likes, but you don't like it because you don't like the smell. Switch, right? Find the things that work for you. So if somebody wants to dry their herbs in a, you know, a Herbs Now machine or a food dehydrator or stick it on the carburetor of their car for all I care, um, sure. And, and I will smell it and I might even smoke it. Um, if it smells good, you know, I mean, if it looks good and it smells good, I'll smoke it. I don't care. Um, but you know, I, uh, I personally, it's, it's, again, I like the slow, uh, process of, of manually handling it and, and working through it and, and keeping an eye on it and doing all those things. It's, it's not, it's not about the time that it takes to do it. I'm not in a rush again, to get more cannabis, right? Um, I think having a good supply of cannabis means you have time to wait for the cannabis to come out right. You just spent five months, right? Five months working on this product to create this fruit, to get this bud, this flower. Do you really after five months is another couple of weeks going to make that much of a difference to do it right. I prefer not to shortcut the finish. I agree with that. Definitely agree with that. I think a lot of growers as far as that goes are very quick for a harvest, uh, trying to keep the max terpene profile, I guess or adding hardeners and stuff like that so they can uh, harvest in that window when they should actually just kind of let the plant go and naturally ripen out and on its own. Uh, you may risk a little bit of terps, but the natural hardening, hardening of the plant overall, I think, is a, a better process to go myself. Yeah, I do too. Flavor I effect. think... I, you know, and, and there's probably something to be said for some of the natural enzymatic enzymes and different things that are going on as that flower ripens and matures. It's not just about removing the chlorophyll, right? Um, not just about removing the moisture. There's other things that are going on in that ripening process uh, that you're probably shortcutting by using those tools. You know, have you ever, so, um, it's like, to me, it's like the, it's like tomatoes. Okay. So you can, uh, when you go to the grocery store, there's red tomatoes on the shelf and then you see some really pink looking tomatoes, especially during the winter time, you see a lot of pink tomatoes. It's because they were gassed. Okay. So they use, they actually pick the tomatoes early and then they apply a gas to ripen them. And so when you taste that tomato, it tastes like cardboard has no flavor because it didn't ripen. You didn't give the plant the time to naturally develop the flavor profiles. And I feel like it's the same thing with shortcutting a lot of the curing process. I agree. It's funny that you kind of bring up that uh, the gassing process there. Uh, and Thunder Dan wanted me to bring it up anyway. So there you go, Thunder Dan. 
<laughs> um, here I've been chasing pine turps. Okay, and uh, I've had I've had several cultivars come through here. Known cultivars that are heavy uh, pine turp uh, strains. So, and as I run them out here, and some of them have been from clone that have been sent here and some of them have been popped from seed all of which do not express a heavy pine turp it is suppressed something in my environment is suppressing that in particular turp and it is coming out more dragon fruit or a very light light pine but more berry kind of expression. And this has been over five cultivars now that have mm. like Jack Greenstock uh, magically had one appear on my door, a J1 cut from the West Coast. And it was well known for Pine where he was at. That's why he sent it. Uh, I, sent, I grew it out here uh, several runs under different lights, HPS, LED, and same thing, no pine, all berry, mm. with a, just maybe a sweet pine at best. And what I've come to find out, again, from uh, talking with Mr. Toad the other day, uh, I ran it by him, and he's like, man, it could be like uh, gas or something in your environment. He's like, are you in the basement like that? I'm like, I'm not in a basement, but I do have and I've noticed about, I noticed it more heavier, like three, maybe three and a half months ago, something uh, kind of sulfury in mm. the like twilight hours. And I ended up, you know, putting a, a tray over it in a way. But he's like, I bet you that's it. And there's, just, you know, some type of gas coming out of that hole that's, you know that that pine doesn't like it's you know the plant doesn't like and mm. it's suppressing that pine turf and letting something else go out so interesting. Like, i interesting yeah yeah it, it's super interesting uh and now yeah. i so i'm kind of kind of looking to justify it a little bit here because we're we are doing uh a breeding project for somebody that's passed on that was a member of the community, came on the show, took a couple of his strains, and we're going to cross it together. And awesome. So I, I phenol hunted the, the chalumbium here, which was a, a piney strain. And right. you can, it's got nodes, good, you know, I can see it's there. So I've passed it on to Smiley. So I'm willing, I'm hoping to see as it goes into his environment, if the pine doesn't come back and express mm. itself just to see, to show it's there, you know what I right. mean? And there is something here in this environment that just won't let it express. So interesting. Uh, I mean, to me, I would, from the thing that immediately came to mind would be what you're feeding it or what your soil is to, that's where I would think that would come from. Um, organic it, soil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's not, it's not necessarily, that's just, to me, that's where your flavor is coming from, right? The mix of the minerals and nutrients you're applying to the plant or allowing the plant to consume, 
right? It's going to impact how it expresses. And um, so maybe it's the feed. Maybe it's the type of food that you're feeding it, right? There's, I know there's products on the market that, and, and again, I haven't necessarily proved or disproven these. There's certain products on the market that will give you a sweeter finish or will give you a, uh, uh, you know, a terpier finish or a more pungent finish. Um, there's different types of things like that. So, I mean, maybe it might just have something to do with the combination of the nutrients and the inputs you're using. That's the thing that Soil I would think of. Yeah. Soil I, and water. I mean, right. But like, <laughs> if you, if you, if you, you know, the anecdotal story of um, strawberry strains, you know, the strawberry field strain that tasted like strawberries from being grown in the middle of a field of strawberries or whatever, and that, that, interaction between the soil and the microbes and the things underneath the ground is what gave the terps to that plant. Um, so is there something that's in your soil that's possibly stopping the, uh, the pining from coming out? Um, or is there a lack of pining possibly because you're treating the plants too well? Are you not abusing them enough, right? Uh, terpenes are a stress response. Um, so many of the stress, you know, natural terpene development is comes from stress. And so, you know, in nature, right. Not necessarily within our gardens, but in nature, terpenes are a response to stressors, whether they're environmental stressors or bug stressors or, uh, predation, whether it's, uh, you know, molds or pests or fungi and things like that. Terpenes are part of a defensive mechanism. And so maybe you're treating your plants too well. <laughs> um and then you know the only other wild side of it that i can think of as well is um maybe it's the ph of your soil so um just slightly off topic pining is a very very helpful and useful um terpene okay uh, for those who have heard of the concept of forest bathing, right? And, and I don't remember if we talked about forest bathing before. I know we talked about smoking and being out in nature and breathing and all that stuff. But forest bathing is a uh, is is it's a well it's a pretty well known uh, euphoric, right? So going out and spending time in old wood forests tends to have positive impacts on your health, your well being, your energy, your uh, attitude, all of these things. And a lot of that has to do with the pining and the terpenes that are released in these old wood forests. Old wood forests are very fungally dominated soils. Uh, so when you, um, when you look at the natural uh, transition of a grassland to a forest, during that time, the pH of the soil swings from being more bacterially dominated when it's a field and you have a lot of weeds and, and small plants and things like that. As time goes on in that, uh, that secession, the pH changes in the soil pH changes over time and becomes more fungally dominant. And old wood forests are very fungally dominated, you know. There are huge mycelial networks underneath the ground connecting all the trees and, 
you don't have as much green growth. You have a lot of, you know, you're not getting all the smaller plants growing. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to do with pH. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping that straws for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's only that, you know, it's weird is because it's only the, it, the pine turp in particular, everything else what is expresses as normal. So it's just something about the in particular pine turf that is suppressed here. It's it's odd. It's weird. It's it, at this point it's comical. <laughs> to be I love a good with pine, and, and I do love a good pine, and, and so I'm 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 hoping that eventually you'll figure this out because um, I do appreciate a good pine. I think a lot of people got away from pine for a while, uh, but pining is 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 amazing, and I do really love a good piney cannabis. It's one of the things that first attracted me to the northern light, a lot of the northern light strains because they did have a good amount of pining in them. Oh, I love the pine. I love the pine. It's so good for the lungs. It's yep. so good for the mind. I mean, absolutely. A couple of hints, and it's like for PTSD and in general, for when I have those type of moments, man, where I'm kind of spinning, spinning, spinning. I inhale and I can kind of feel like a cloud, like it just kind of swirls. And then on that exhale, yep. It kind of takes yep. it all out with it. It kind of just cleans house. And you're like, oh, there I am. Pining is an amazing, amazing thing. But in that same aspect, and again, it kind of keeps you clear-headed and uh, motivated. But then again, if you kind of want to double up, I guess, or recreational angle with the pine, uh, you can take it the other way too. Uh, indulge a little harder, and it's more that laughy, you know. Have a good, definitely mood, a euphoric, very social. Yeah, that's, definitely that's euphoric. One, uh, great, great term. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Um, and and you know, and more of it. I I, um, I haven't had a really good. I haven't tasted a really good piney uh, strain in the, in a long time either. So. Too much fruit I'm, I'm cakes gonna, and cookies. <laughs> I, I was kind of hinting that last night that uh, with Smiley, we were talking. I really wish a lot of us would kind of quit chasing so many, so many alike cultivars and just kind of start going in different directions and library them. You know, when you go to a gathering, there should be no two like cannabis sticks you know, right. you know what i mean they should be they sh everybody should have something else and it should just be a wonderful day of tasting you know what i mean in my opinion yeah i think um you know i one of the things that people should do and it's something that i do uh, is talk to the breeders don't just flip through the menu and buy what you think is looks good right? Talk to the breeder. <laughs> Tell them what you like, what you're looking for, what you don't like, and ask them what fits those categories. A lot of breeders will tell you whether they have something or not. They may not have anything and they may actually recommend somebody else who has somebody something that's really good in that area. Um, I've had that happen a few times as well. Uh, but the other piece of it is uh, asking the breeder 
what they really liked that people slept on. What didn't sell? What did you make that you really thought was amazing, but nobody bought? Uh, because that's where I live. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, and I've had some amazing, amazing plants. I, uh, you know, one of my favorite plants uh, was a uh, something called um, sour livers. Okay. Sour livers. It was an auto from Mephisto. Nobody bought it because they said liver. Yuck. Who wants liver? I don't want liver. No, that's not what it was. It was called liver, the livers, because it was a strain that went all around Europe and kept living. They couldn't kill it. It was called the liver. And so <laughs> sour crossed with the liver became sour liver. And so it was an amazing plant, delicious, huge yield. Awesome. One of, my, one of the best plants I've ever grown. Nobody bought it because it was called sour livers. Would I have known other than talking to him and finding out, reading about the plant, you know, reading the description, finding out more about it? Or did I just, you know, or I could have just flipped through the catalog and said, oh, let's just take this one because this sounds like what I should be growing, right? You need to talk to the breeders. Um, don't buy the hype, as you were saying, right? I'm sure everybody wants to grow that frosty damn thing that somebody posted on their page, right? Uh, root beer is the big hype right now. I've got a root beer growing in my tent. I can't, I can't say that I'm not a victim as much either, right? Like I'm just as guilty sometimes. I've grown cookies. I've grown cakes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I very rarely grow anything anybody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, I'm usually growing something nobody's ever heard of before. Uh, nobody else is growing because again, I talk to the breeders, look for the things that I want to grow, find out, you know, Hey, you know, what are the things that are like this, you know? Um, and, or what are the things that you thought were awesome that people slept on? Uh, Dynasty has a fantastic uh, seed. I, I can't remember if it came out under Relic or Dynasty, but he's got something called consumption. And um, nobody's going to buy it off the name. But this plant is unbelievable. I got a pack because I know what it is. I smoked it with him. <laughs> I, he had, he had a couple different, uh, he had a couple different cuts of it too. A couple samples he brought with him, And, and we were at, um, it was the harvest. It was, uh, it was an after party from the harvest cup a couple of years ago. And we'd been smoking for like two, three hours straight. Um, just having a fantastic time smoking with lots of people at this event. I had a, I was, I think it was a pre-party that I threw for the harvest cup that year. And we had like 50, 60 people and we were just smoking and having a great time and came over. He's like, all right, it's going to smoke some of the consumption. We smoked this joint of the consumption. And I'm telling you, man, it cut through everything else, like cleared my cleared everything, every other flavor, every other terp, everything was gone. And then like, I had to sit down. Like I, I, I thought I had, I had peaked. Like I was like, I'm not going to get any higher. You're at that point where you're just smoking for the fun of it and the flavor and, and stuff, man, I was stoned. I'm like, I got to sit down for a couple minutes. And just like, 
to like deal with this. Uh, so it was truly, again, it was truly an amazing cultivar. But again, nobody's going to buy that off the name. Have you ever heard of consumption? No, I haven't. No. Again, um, so yeah, you got to talk to the breeders. Got to talk to them. It's funny you bring that up because I am very guilty of what you just said. Very, just last night, Okta, just last night, uh, we were uh, the Weedner World doing an after show after Doc was on. And uh, Robert Greenfingers, uh, Thomas, was going through some of the cultivars he had in his, in his garden there. And he pulls out one of the tags and he shows it into the camera and it says ex-wife. I'm like, who in the heck is growing ex-wife? Why would you even buy that? You know what I mean? <laughs> so just like you're saying, man, yeah. by the name, I'm already going, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't I want get that. What that, you're saying. that pack is ugly. <laughs> I don't like the name. I mean, there's definitely stuff that I won't, there's stuff I won't grow. There's stuff I won't grow because of the name, right? If like, I just like, if the name is terrible, I'm not going to grow it. I have a, I have a pack of seeds that it's, it's called ass. I'm not going to grow it just because I don't want to grow ass. Right. Like I, I just like, why would you, <laughs> why would you name it something like that? Like it just, it, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, unicorn poop. Why? Why are you naming stuff after shit? Stop naming strains after shit. Okay? Just don't. Um, I'm not going to grow it. <laughs> um, I, it's just like, it's just not appealing to me. Um, grandma's panties. Again, yeah. I don't care. I've grown that. I have actually grown the granny panties. See, there you go. And it was a tough sell. That was right. fucking like two, 12. And even, you know, before the medical and everybody getting down sure. on names and shit, that was a tough disposal. You know, right. uh, nobody wanted to carry the granny panties, even though it was a nice vanilla kush kind of strain. They had that nice vanilla turp to it, but uh, nobody wanted to carry it because when they right. said, um, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I think people need to be a little more creative. Um, obviously, they need to stop stealing names from companies because they're going to get sued. Um, that happens as well all the time. I, people just need to be a little bit more creative. And I know it's tough. There's been so many strains that it's hard to find a name, but there's names out there. You don't need to use ridiculous terms or company ripoffs of existing companies. You're just asking for trouble. <laughs> so let me ask you this out of uh, your uh, last few months experience of doing the show and talking to Nick and uh, of some other great folks on Clubhouse and all that uh what has been some of the changes? Has there been any aha moments for you in the last 
it's been it was two ninety nine was the last time you're here, so it's been wow almost a year, if not a year, since last time. And what have you what have you picked up last year doing with um you know, I think uh, I've definitely I've started doing microgreens, so that's definitely something new that I'm doing that I hadn't been growing before. Um, not necessarily cannabis related, but definitely, um, you know, talking with Nick, I've learned more about the science of what's going on. You know, I never thought about carbon, right? But basically, that's what we're doing is, you know, 90% of what we're growing is carbon. Um, you know, terpenes, whether it's the terpenes or the cannabinoids or whatever, it's all carbon. And uh, so, you know, under, getting a better understanding about the actual mechanics of what's happening in the plant, what these nutrients actually do inside the plant more than, well, it needs phosphorus. It's you know, like understanding exactly how the mechanics of it work better and, and, and listening to that. So that, that's been really, um, really great. Um, I also getting ex exposed to a, a large community of people that aren't necessarily Instagram people. Right. Um, I think when you're on, when you're on Instagram, especially after you've been shadow banned, you don't really reach that many people. And in general, even if you're not shadow banned and you're on Instagram, you may be reaching 10% of the cannabis community. Maybe. And we like to think it's a bigger part of the community than it really is, but it isn't that big of a part of the community. Most people who spoke cannabis are not on Instagram talking about cannabis. <laughs> so I, I think it's about 10% of the community that you're actually going to be, that are actually on Instagram. And so being on Clubhouse, there's a whole group of people that I'm interfacing with that did not know me on Instagram, had never, you know, interfaced with me, had not, and, and, again, around the country and around the globe, uh, not necessarily people that I've met at events in New England, but just uh, that. So, I've, you know, definitely, I think a lot more connections in the West Coast and um, like Nick, for instance, I wouldn't have met Nick if it wasn't for Clubhouse. Uh, he's not somebody I knew from Instagram. He's not, he's, you know, he's in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in New England. I'd never heard of the rooted leaf and his nutrient line. I'd never seen him at a trade show or anything. So, um, he's not somebody that I would have come across if it wasn't for Clubhouse. So that's been that's been fantastic. And um, I think I've learned a lot more about the uh, just all the different aspects, I think, of, of the cannabis industry. Uh, there's uh, there's a whole community of people in there on that talk about hemp construction, uh, learning about the differences in how the hemp plant is used for different types of materials. Um, you need the, you know, the, when you're the different parts of the plant are used for different stuff. So the herd, the inside of the, of the stock is what's used for hempcrete. Um, you need the fibers uh, along the outsides of the stocks for textiles, clothing, uh, things like that. The floss, uh, is also the, the, the flower part, which is really kind of not really so much buds, but a little bit usually looser in hemp uh, that can be used for different products as well. So there's all these different things and you don't just grow hemp for everything, right? There's just like we grow cultivars for different terpenes and different flavors. There's different cultivars of hemp for different types of uses. So you're going to grow one type of 
hemp for uh, clothing, you're going to grow a different type of hemp for hempcrete. You're going to grow a different type of hemp for CBD uh, or for smokable flour. So there's all these different things. So that's one of the things that I've learned. I've learned a lot more about the medical benefits uh, of cannabis. There's a lot of medical rooms and medical doctors talking about uh, cannabis and how cannabis is useful in, in different diseases and, and issues and problems and things like that. Um, so that's also been really, really interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, there's, a, there's an awesome show that's on every day at noon called the state of cannabis news hour. Uh, so in, in East coast, nine, uh, noon on the East coast and 9am on Pacific time is the state of cannabis news hour. And that is an hour of news talking about all the different articles, all the different things that are going on in the cannabis industry, not only in the United States, but around the globe. Uh, they talk about a, uh, an article for four minutes and 20 seconds. And then they, uh, you know, and they allow people to come up and talk about the article. They bring in guests. Uh, so many times you'll read an, you'll read about an article about cannabis in some magazine and the author will pop on, uh, which is awesome. So, you, uh, or they'll talk about something going on in Massachusetts, for instance, and I'll come up and talk about the event because I was there, uh, or they'll get somebody that's, you know, on the ground in Texas, who's working on hemp legalization in Texas. You know, so it's really, it's a really nice, um, localized or a cross-section of news and information of what's going on with the industry as a whole. So yeah, just lots of great stuff. I, I have to agree about the clubhouse there. You never, ne you never realize how big the cannabis industry is until you kind of search around because you're a, very true about Instagram, YouTube, what they're seeing in that small swath right there is very little to the people out there really what boots on the ground work, we'll call it, you know what I mean? Right. Actually doing the work at experts and stuff like that. And a lot of them are on Clubhouse. Same thing. When I got on there, same thing, typed in cannabis, got in some of these rooms. I was like, who, who are these people? but listen to them and but with that same aspect though i gotta say this though there's a lot of great information on there but there's been a little bit of disinformation that i've heard of course there as well of course people step in yeah so it, it, uh, everywhere you get away right? through like, it yeah I, I could watch you know 10 videos on youtube and find dozens of inconsistencies and problems right um, and it, it, you know, some of it's information, some of it's people's point of view. Um, it, it's just, there's going to be differing. I see it all the time. Right? Uh, we have, you know, Matthew Gates, uh, Sentinel, right? He's fantastic, right? Really, really tremendous uh, knowledgeable person in the community. Uh, very few people that I've ever met know more about IPM and, and insects than he does uh, and how they affect this plant. But, you know, he's, he's having arguments with, you know, like some of the folks that are proponents of this idea that healthy plants don't get attacked by bugs. And these are big folks, you know, it's, uh, it, it, like, how do you, 
um, you can't, again, it's, it's points of view, right? I guess is the best way to do it. So you'll get, you'll get somebody who comes on there and they're talking about their understanding of the way that plants work and the different types of sugars that can be created by the plant and how different insects may or may not eat those uh, sucrose and, and the different types of sugars, et cetera. Their point of view is based on their understanding of the way that sugars work and their understanding of the way that insects uh, can absorb sugars. Then you get Matt, who's more from the, you know, the entomology standpoint. He knows that the bugs themselves have the capability and, and actually that's what they have uh, evolved to do, which is adapt to those changes in the plant chemistry and still take advantage of them and still eat them. Um, anybody who's had a health, you know, a, a shitload of healthy plants and seen insects attack them can tell you that insects will attack healthy plants just like they'll attack unhealthy plants. Um, sure, an unhealthy plant is going to vector problems faster because it's going to be weaker. But it doesn't mean that just because you have a healthy plant that insects aren't going to attack it. Uh, just because it has a really high bricks level doesn't mean that's immune to an aphid coming and eating it. Um, and, and they like those plants just as much as they like the unhealthy ones. So don't let that fool you either. So, you know, again, who's right? Both of them are incredible, you know, biological people. They come from understandings. They're reading scientific journals. They're referencing papers differing points of view right and you're talking uh, about a sim the similar yesterday what 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 is gained from by throwing you know the negativity back and forth on certain subjects like that uh you know just because one of us may understand a piece of the puzzle that another one of us haven't necessarily figured out or haven't been able to prove doesn't mean it it isn't quality information or facts that are they're trying to put out there it's just it isn't relating like you say like you're saying to your environment or you haven't come across that a problem and it hasn't you're not seeing it yet you, you know what i mean right. you can't vindicate right. the facts uh yeah we were talking about that just the other day why sling mud why sling mud you know same thing we were talking about with like uh me saying that there's disinformation on Clubhouse as well as great information, you know, yep. for all of us, instead of slinging mud kind of at the facts, we need to kind of just take it in, weigh it out, maybe put it over here for a minute. And then at some point you may come to that aha moment later in life, sure. like a lot of us do as we get on 2020 is a bitch, look back yep. and go, oh, that was valid. You know what I mean? There's yep. why not just bank it instead of throw mud at it? You know, go yeah, have to look I, um, back and say I told you so, or you know I wasn't right. It's kind of tough. In the, in yeah, yeah. I, I I think there's um, I think part of it has to do with intent. If people are coming at it with good intent, then there's no reason why you should be attacking them for it. Um, I do believe though that you know when there is misinformation out there that we do need to clear it up. There is way too much bro science in the community, right? Um, part of the effect of being a 
disenfranchised community and a community that's been underground and had to hide was that we couldn't really share information and science. It was dangerous to write things down and collect data, right? And and so there's way too much bro science out there. There's way too much people saying- I gotta disagree. I gotta disagree right there. I think it's like we're talking about right now. Same, it's the same thing we're talking about right now. Just because Matthew understands one of the piece, a piece of the puzzle, and the other guy doesn't, that's it, that could be can be considered bro science as well. You know what I mean? In the greater aspect of it, bro science is the same thing. Just because one guy's unlocked a piece of the puzzle in his environment doesn't necessarily mean it isn't a valid piece of the puzzle in the greater good. You just, or many, the masses hasn't put it down in a white paper or whatever. That's what I kind of think about it. And I don't like to call it uh, pro science. I like to think of it more as citizen science. And, you know, it's a bunch of great people working together on the same crowd. I I think there's a difference, right? And, 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 um, science, science itself is science itself is observation and experimentation, right? That's the definition of science: observation and experimentation. There's nothing wrong with citizen science or any of those other things, right? What what I question is what were the methods for comparison, right? What did you measure against? How did you measure? As long as you have a fair comparison, then I'm going to listen. If you don't have anything to back it up or anything to compare or prove against, it's very difficult for me to take that on faith, right? Um, How did you... That's always the, the question I ask. I had, but most I of us, a lot of times, you know, are doing something and then trying something new. You know, yeah, we've kind of right. done side and that, by and that's side. The, that's, that's the question, right? Like, how did you, what was, what was your control group? Did you use something one time and just say it was fantastic? Did you throw four or five things at it and say this was the one thing that did it? Right? Or did you truly change one thing compare right what was your control group how did you what was your basis of comparison and so that's that's the part where the science part comes in okay um and and i have no problem but if you can come up with the process and pass it on to somebody else and they can do it produce similar results in their garden uh, right. How many but then you side have something by that, sides or, right. you know, but then that becomes, that becomes a proven thing, right? That's no longer bro science. That's no longer anecdotal information. That's actual information. Right. It takes so, one person standing on that soapbox sure. with the rest of us calling him crazy before, you know, a few people try it and actually find that it's repeatable. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. And stuff like that. So. Right. But just because somebody takes a bunch of nails and shoves them through the stalks of his plant and says, yeah, man, I got much heavier terps. I, I can't, I'm not going to go stick a bunch of nails in my plant. Right. Well, I'm, 
<laughs> my in particular on this one here is, I, you know, nobody's had a lot of time in working with this plant, you know, over in, in a scientific environment, you know, where we're actually doing side by sides like this. And now that cannabis is more and more legal, we're, it's more widespread. It's easier now just kind of point out things that are we didn't necessarily and see. And that's why I'm very hopeful. Whatever. And that's why I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful for more of that and less of the anecdotal, right? I want more of that proof. I want more of that scientific examples. I want people to do larger populations, more, you know, more comparisons that prove what we anecdotally know. Okay. That's what I'm very hopeful about right now. And it's, again, it's not, there's nothing wrong with folks experimenting. I experiment all the time, right? Like I don't measure stuff often. <laughs> a little this, a little this, you know. Um, it's all experimentation. I'm experimenting every time I cook, right? I change flavors. I change the amount of spices I use. I change ingredients. I've never made the same batch of chili twice, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always experimenting, but I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, that's, you know, how do you, if you write down what you did and then when you're done with the meal, do you say, did you like it or not? Was it better than the last time? Was it too spicy? Did, was it too acidic? Maybe you, you wait till the next day. You say, did it burn my stomach? Did I get wicked heartburn? Um, and, record that and then if you do that over a couple of periods that's a scientific experiment and you have a proof of what works for you <laughs> and not necessarily what's going to work for you it might work for you yourself but it might not work for the next guy over um but i, I think I, again I, I agree with you I, i'm very hopeful that as we um, now, as it becomes more legal, we'll be able to get more scientific data, more true comparisons and prove and disprove some of the things that have been going around the community for ages, right? Wet trimming versus dry trimming, right? It's people who argue with you both ways all day to Sunday. Frozen versus not frozen, right? For hash making. There's, there's all sorts of different things. Um, you know, CO2 levels, uh, you know, proving or disproving light leaks. Nice. Right. Um, it, there's all sorts of things that could be proven or disproven that they're things that we anecdotally believe that may or not may or may not be true. Is a light leak always going to cause you to hurt? What if I open up my tent in the middle of the night and turn lights on? four weeks in the flowering right is that just because that specific cultivar is uh more likely to uh you know perm under stress or is there some specific scientific reason why that would happen right and if that's the case why doesn't it happen under a good full moon i don't know maybe it's the spectrum that causes it maybe it's the type of light Maybe it's the intensity of the light. I don't know. So that's, you know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, again, I 
believe that light leaks can cause hermaphrodites. I've seen cases where, or I believe I've seen cases where a specific plant in my tent was affected because of the way the light was coming into the tent, <clears throat> but not the other ones in the same tent. So, you know, the more science we get, the better off we are. I spoke to that issue uh, lately to people that were having herms down low. And I think that's kind of uh, an instance of having a thick canopy and uh, a lower that's getting like light occasionally. You know what I mean? Kind of messing up or its cycle a little bit like that. That's kind of my theory on a little bit of the light leak stuff like that. Right. Um, I agree. There's a lot of arguments to be had and they bring out a lot of good information. Uh, but I guess I just hate to see it in more of a debate uh, type form where, you know, you're trying to, you're not, you're not having the conversation. You're more or less trying to discredit the person. That's kind of sure. what I see Again, sometimes. It's, it's about intention, right? Are you trying to help others or are you specifically trying to show somebody else as an idiot? That's why I like the, what, what we do. Uh, I think we're kind of responsible stewards in cannibal education, basically uh, letting people come on and, you know, speak their message all the way through. I kind of like the single one-on-one -on -one episodes, educational episodes where you, you like you and Nick, you've pointed out a topic and it's riding through much, not necessarily with debate, but you're letting one person exhaust basically what they know and then people can take it from there you know what i mean versus having multiple people on and having to kind of debate their their viewpoint you know what i mean mm. i don't yep. think a lot of a lot of good is brought from them type of panel like episodes where you what we're kind of talking about right now where there's two completely opposing viewpoints and they kind of right. arguing back and forth i think that's more entertainment purpose than educational purpose yeah it's it's hard in a room it's hard in a, a multi-person situation as well i mean i've seen some great live panels with getting these folks different people with differing opinions to interact you know having like chris trump and dr elaine ingham and suzanne the bug lady and Steve Raisner on a panel together talking and they don't always agree on everything. Um, and, and that interaction between the, between them all, um, you know, it was, I saw one, there was one night we they had a panel at one of the conferences of that. And, and there was like a two hour discussion about people arguing about Neem, <laughs> whether to use neem or not you know whether neem was bad was it good did it cause problems all these different things and you know it, it's uh it it can be those are also can be very learning uh opportunities as well um i just don't i guess i don't like it when people get aggressive towards each other uh it should be uh you know a calm conversation with people sharing uh, and it should be respectful so what is up for uh hotel in 22 man uh two 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 there's a lot of twos 
in this year. Yeah, there and, is. Uh, I, I there it. is. I find them to be a good luck sign. Do you do you think this is going to be a, an exceptional year for Ota? I don't know. We'll see. I think um, it, it's hard to it's hard to be it's hard to be optimistic on any real political change as far as cannabis goes. There's been so many up and downs with it, uh, at least federally. You know, I, I think we all hope that eventually they'll get on the stick. Uh, we're we're at the point now where there's I think 37 states have legal medical cannabis, and there's uh, at least a dozen states that have legal uh, adult use cannabis. And and the feds really need to get uh, need to get out of our way uh, there. So I don't know if we're going to see the change that we've all been hoping would happen. Um, I'm hopeful, but I, I'm still pretty pessimistic about that. Um, other than that, for me, it's just really continuing to do what I do, which is just grow plants and uh, talk about it. Uh, there really is not any uh, huge plans for me. I'm going to continue doing the grow and tells and uh, continue just being me. Um, I'm not, uh, not really uh, focused on any specific goals for this year. I, there's a, like I said, I'm going to go to the regenerative conference, which is coming up in Maine uh, in a couple in March. And I might hit NECAN uh, one or two days, but you know, I, I'm just going to wait and, and play it by year. And I'm also looking forward to spending a lot of time in my garden this year, trying to build out my new garden and getting that all set up at my house, my new house. And, and I, that's where I'm going to really be focused, not so much on uh, exterior, but more on the interior of my acre. <laughs> right on. Oh, I'd hope you concentrate on keep being you because you're an awesome person, my friend. I enjoy talking with you. You're uh, a respectable person in the cannabis community. And I hope you keep doing being you and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, friend, man. Because you're doing it well. <laughs> so it's it, it's it's fun. You know, I um, I try not to uh, try not to let myself and I'm sure you do it too. Like try not to let myself be put up on a pedestal. Right. I am really not uh, not anything special. Uh, I'm a couple guys with a couple, I'm a guy with a couple tents in his basement. I'm a couple guys. Um, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a guy with a couple tents in his basement. Uh, I am not a commercial uh, grower. I'm not in the cannabis industry. Um, I'm more of just kind of, uh, you know, I'm a cannabis enthusiast. I love the plant. I call myself an armchair cultivator uh, in many cases. Right. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't do this for fame or fortune or any of that other stuff. I don't get paid by the cannabis industry. I don't make a dime off of any of my podcasts or any of that other stuff that I do. I don't have any sponsors or anything. Um, I just love the plant. And uh, I love having the plant in my life. And uh, I want others to also have access to the plant and be successful in growing their own uh, and enjoy uh, growing it, uh, not be stressed about it, to relax, uh, to enjoy the ride. You know, um, it's, it's a very, it's a very helpful plant. It is, uh, medicinal, uh, to ingest it is medicinal to grow it. It's therapeutic. 
to have live plants, whether it's a cannabis plant or any type of plant. And so I think this plant itself connects with us more than anything else that I've ever experienced. And so I want other people to be able to experience that as well. And so I get on here and I talk about it and I'll keep getting on here and talking about it and keep encouraging people to experience and plant for themselves. Um, and also try to remind people that it doesn't have to be uh, extremely difficult. Uh, there is, uh, it's, it's a simple plant that can grow without a lot, right? You, soil and water, right? You were saying that earlier, soil and water. Soil and water and give it some light, give it some love. Uh, you don't need to have um, a chemistry degree <laughs> to grow the plant well. You don't have to have years and years of industry knowledge. You don't have to have this magic bullet nutrient. Um, really, the plant's just going to grow. If you just keep it wet, not too wet, but you keep it wet and you give it some light, it's going to grow and you'll probably get some of the best cannabis you've ever smoked in your life. Um, having that fresh cannabis for yourself that you grew yourself is really a, just a tremendous, tremendous experience. And so uh, that's why I do this. And that's why I'll keep doing it. We've been, we were a disenfranchised community. We had to hide. Um, we had to, you know, stay in the closet. And today we're really not that much different just because it's legal. Doesn't mean that it's normalized. Doesn't mean that we're accepted. In, in the world as a whole. And, uh, you know, we can't talk about it freely still. We, we can barely find shops to go buy it. If even in a legal state, right. Uh, they make you go to the industrial park area. Uh, you can only be in certain cities. Um, you have to pay huge fines to be able to do this legally, uh, commercially at least. Um, so, you know, I, 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 uh, we're, we're in a, we're in a place where we need to continue to support each other as a community, let people know it's okay. And slowly, but surely pull the plant back into normal society. And the only way we can do that is by keep talking about it. So that's it, man. Very respectable guy, man. I, Third time on the show, I take something away from uh, you every time. Little nugget of wisdom from you every time, my friend. Uh, I, I, if you watch the show or if you haven't, you would probably be impressed how many times I have quoted you at one point from one, uh, one of our interviews. So I do have a lot of respect for you and what you do, my friend. You, Like you said, you might be... Uh, only a, a small scale grower, but you have a huge cannabis heart. And that's what, what matters, man. I'm the same thing with you, man. I'm not making any money doing this. We do this because we love this and we want other people. Absolutely. To and that's hugely respectable, my friend. Hugely yep. respectable. Yep. And I have a ton um, of respect for you for doing it. You're very, uh, yeah, very likable guy. You present yourself well, and you're full of great information. And I think, all in all, you're an asset to the cannabis community. So, again, thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend.
Yeah, no, I do appreciate that. And and I, I really, I respect what you're doing, man. I, I definitely, I know I couldn't do as many episodes as you do. There's no way I, I have enough trouble getting myself to do one episode a week. <laughs> There's no way I could go on and interview everybody, people every night uh, and get at it like you've been doing. So also really impressive, uh, the, the constant, the consistency the continuity, man, is impressive. And uh, I really appreciate you as well. I appreciate that, brother. With that being said, uh, have we hit the end of this episode? I hate to use oh, up yeah, too man. much of your it's, I hate it's, to uh, use up too much of your time, but it's a it, worth it's every not second. The, it, it's not so much <laughs> the amount of time, it's just the time of the night that it is. It's getting late, man. It's it's almost 1 30, and I, I definitely need to get some sleep. So uh it is definitely coming to the close. And I appreciate you uh bringing me back on, man. I uh you know, I'm I'm always amazed when people want to have and want to want, want to talk to me at all. <laughs> They're lost if they don't, brother. They're lost if they don't. Because, man, you are a wealth of good information. And I enjoy having you on the show. Uh, hopefully, from the two prior engagements, you remember what's coming here. Uh, for one, I, I, I laughed and I kind of, when I sent the link to you and I said same as last time, the link is the same always for you, <laughs> my friend. Uh, <laughs> you can use it anytime you want to, anytime, especially now. Uh, it, it's Since you've been on, you've been on through this whole journey. So it's been the wormhole. Oh, wait, yep. it's been the rabbit hole I've been budded you to. It's been the wormhole. <laughs> but nowadays, it is most definitely weed nerd world that your link yes. wor works to. So hopefully... Awesome get some extra time you're always welcome brother we have tons of respect that. for you here yeah man. so uh do keep that link just in case yes. just in case yep. yes. and uh the, the other thing i'd like to get from you of course is the sound bite uh this is episode 574 if you'd like to throw that in your sound bite i am ready when you are so i'm here as I've been before, and I will be again, fucking talking shit with Eagle, my good friend. I appreciate you as always. You always deliver such a good sound like as well, brother. <laughs> so with that being said, get some rest, and I look forward to our next chat, and thank you one last time, my friend. Yeah, much love to everybody out there. Thank you, everybody on the YouTube feed for sticking with us. I see uh, the whole crew uh, flying through. I didn't have time to check the messages tonight because I was focused on uh, talking to talking to you, Eagle. But I do appreciate everybody sticking with us on the YouTube feed tonight as well. Uh, much love to everybody out there in the cannabis community and, and happy growing, everybody. One last time, uh, when it, when is the show? I think it's Thursdays, right? Every Thursdays Thursday night. Every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on on uh, clubhouse and on uh, simulcast and recorded and presented on the state of cannabis i'm sorry on the future cannabis project youtube fcpo2 you can tell it's late because i can't even say it anymore uh youtube fcpo2 channel the future cannabis project has two channels on youtube 
the Future Cannabis Project and FCPO2. My show is on FCPO2, but also if you hit at Hota Herb, J-O-T-A-H-E-R-B on Instagram, I have a playlist in my profile. So if you click on the playlist, you'll get just my episodes. And as I mentioned, there's 20 of them out there already. So I've got uh, over 40 hours of content uh, on the Future Cannabis Project already. Um, and there's got to be, I, I'm probably approaching somewhere around 100 hours of content across all of these different podcast platforms between you and uh, Jordan Rivers on Growcast and growing with my fellow growers um, and the Cheap Home Grow, uh, as well as all the stuff on Future Cannabis Project. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I hope always. That quickly mounts to a thousand, my friend. Again, great guy, great information, my friend. I hope you hit that thousand mark real soon. If you can do it without jeopardizing any of the quality of life. (laughs) I think you'll hit a thousand hours of content before I do uh, at the rate you're going. But I do appreciate that. I will keep trying. And uh, thank you again, everybody. Have a fantastic night. You too, my friend. Well, for for the rest of you guys, load up that tray, empty your bladders. I will see you in Weed Nerd World here in a few minutes. For the rest of you guys that aren't going to tune into Weed Nerd World, you know the deal. Uh, Do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness. Do save lives. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. With that being said, 